songs. Amen. Amen. And I hope you're as encouraged as I am already. It's been a good morning to be gathered together. And, um, and I was just excited that uh, God kept his promise. We didn't float away. Right? Yesterday was a washout. Yeah. <laughs> um, I texted a brother this morning and shared with some other guys too. It's, man, as nasty as it was yesterday, the sunrise this morning over the mountains and driving in, I took several pictures. I stopped and just took some pictures. It was gorgeous, man. Uh, through the storms of life, the sun comes up in the morning. Right? Yeah. And the Lord will see us through all the, the different stuff that we go through in our lives. Uh, he's coming, right? He's coming. There's a bright day coming. Yes. Amen. Good singing. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians uh, chapter 4. And man, we're drawing to a close um, of the book of Philippians. And I, as I was reflecting on this message this week, and uh, if you're like me, as you get to the end of letters, sometimes they just seem really... Uh, just like formalities and we don't we don't look at it as in depth as we should to see all that the lord has for us and all the truths that are there um even the endings of books of the scriptures uh is god's word right? the greetings that the authors have as paul is is finishing up um we see here this morning just he is overflowing with joy and gratitude uh, to this church, to these believers who have loved him and supported him so well uh, throughout his ministry. When others didn't, the church at Philippi did. And uh, it's it, it, it so fitting to where we are this morning, to what took place yesterday at the Family Life Center, of the generosity and the giving and the, the love of Christ that was shown this is what Paul is overwhelmed with, is how this church in Philippi so long ago had, had partnered with him, had joined with him in gospel proclamation and in, in the, the gospel going out um, to, to Europe. All right? This is the first church in Europe, as we talked about in, in the intro to this book. And so the magnitude of all what's going on is just filling uh, Paul's heart with joy and uh, thankfulness uh, to this church. And um, we were a part of that yesterday. Those who gave, man, it, it, uh, we're never more like Christ than when we serve and then when we give with not wanting any recognition or anything in return. Right? We're going to talk about generosity this morning, but our generosity is, is, um, is governed and dictated by the God who provides all that we need in his son. All of our generosity flows out of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so as Paul draws this letter to a close, he's, he's intentional to thank this church for their partnership. So let's read the text together. We'll pick up in, um, we'll pick up in verse 14 and we'll read uh, to the end, but we'll stop in the message this morning in verse 20. And next Sunday, we'll conclude our study through the book of uh, Philippians. Yet it was, this is the word of the Lord. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, you yourself, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. 
even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word exposes to us who you are. It exposes to us who we are, Lord, and how we're to relate with you, a holy God. We thank you that you have made a way for us to be back into relationship with you, Lord. For your word tells us that because of sin in the garden, we were cut off from a relationship with you. But you, Lord, had a plan. And you executed that plan by the power of your spirit and through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, your son and our savior. I thank you that we have joined together as your people here this morning to sing praises to you, Lord, this Christmas season. To be reminded of your work of seeking us out and that you have you have done all that was necessary to make us acceptable and perfect. In you, our Father's eyes, forever. And so, Lord, now as we turn again, even more so, our mind's attention and our heart's affection, that you would be at work in changing us and making us the people you want us to be. We thank you, Lord. And, Lord, we're so thankful for who you are and what you've done. Teach us your truth now, we pray, for your glory and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Paul is encouraging these believers to know that it is God who ultimately will supply all their needs. Now, the Lord, the way he supplies our needs is he works through his people. Yes. He works through means uh, that sometimes blows our mind. He works through believers many times, but God works through unbelievers many yes. times as well. But what we see here in Philippians and what we have seen over our time together and just walking through the text of Philippians and this letter that Paul's written is we've seen that, that God is using this church for the advancement of the gospel. And Paul is humbled. He is joyful in the midst of being in prison. Isn't that amazing? Through dire circumstances, there's joy that is unspeakable. Paul has fought for joy. He exhibits joy. He's still a man just like us, right? He's just like us. But he is sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about this text this morning, there was just some things that, that I, I wanted to, some truths that I saw come out right out from the text. So we're just going to walk through. Verses 14 and 16 is where we'll start. We see that in giving, in giving to the Lord, uh, there is joy that comes from that. The Lord loves a joyful giver. We've heard that said before. But we understand that, that in order to give, we must first have encountered the Lord uh, himself. 
And the Philippians have done that. And then they share in uh, the sufferings of Paul. So he begins in verse 14 and he says, Yet it was kind of you to share this word here uh, of, uh, we've talked about it in the beginning, of having uh, koinonia, fellowship. You have, you have fellowship with, with me. You have shared in my trouble. Now, I don't have to remind you, but just briefly think about all the trouble that Paul has been in, where he is at currently as he pins this, all that he has experienced, the beatings and the, and the birth of the church. And he says in verse 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, that no church entered into, here's this word again, partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Paul begins the letter to the Philippian church with partnership and he ends the, this letter with partnership. He's captivated by Christ and how Christ has worked in and through the lives of these uh, dear saints here in, uh, in, at Philippi. Even uh, in Thessalonica, you sent me help, he says in verse 16, for my needs once and again. And so Paul understands that over all the churches that was going on or that was planted, it was the Philippian church that remained faithful to him. You see, one of the things that we see here, one of the truths that I pulled out as I was as I was studying this passages and I have there in your notes is that generous giving is one of the indicators. It's one of the indicators of your commitment to the gospel ministry. Generous giving is one of the indicators of your commitment to the gospel, your commitment to Christ, your commitment to seeing uh, what can the only thing that can change a life go out, which is the good news. And so it is a biblical indicator of spiritual health. How healthy we are is um, is seen in how we give here financially. Monies were given to Paul to sustain him. But it's, it's more than just our, our money. It's our lives, right? We see this with, uh, or you ask the question, why? Why is that? Why is this an indicator? Well, think of the case of Zacchaeus. Generosity is a sign of a regenerated heart. Yes. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that in the way we give, we hold our finances our homes, our families, everything loosely, it's the Lord's, right? That that Zacchaeus, when he was born again, he gave unto the Lord. You remember that story in Luke, uh, I believe it's 19. Uh, just read 1 to 9. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, I can relate with Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. <laughs> And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was, and I don't relate with that part. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the account of the crowd, he could not. Because he was a small of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Think about what was going through his heart and mind. The king has come through. He said, I'm coming to stay with you. Oh, boy. I know what our wives are thinking right now. My house ain't picked up, right? There's clothes everywhere. My husband and kids won't pick up their clothes off the floor. 
Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Look at how he received the Lord. Joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is gone. You know, we, we know this is the doubters, the Pharisees, all those that are watching. He's going to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Something has happened to this little short man's heart. Amen. This tax collector has been born again, and Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. And we know, we've heard this verse quoted, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Yes. This is why he came. This is why we celebrate this Christmas season as, as Colton was trying to get out the words properly to say that, you know, all songs throughout the year are really Christmas songs. For what we have is the Savior coming in a cradle and he's heading to the cross, right? To redeem us, to save us lost sinners, to bring us back into a good relationship with the good creator. We're a blessed people. Zacchaeus experienced this. See, giving our lives, giving our finances to the mission, to ministry, is evidence of our participation in the fellowship of the gospel. If we're, if we're not giving to the gospel ministry, we probably don't have any part in it, right? And one thing you're not going to hear me do as a pastor is I'm not going to harp on giving and finances. What I'm going to do is preach through the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit, when it comes up in the text, to drive you. Should you be tithing? Yes. Should you be giving? Yes. You should be giving your life, right? Yeah. And as we walk through Scripture, the Scripture will speak. And the Scripture is speaking. The Scripture is spoken. You listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21 to the rich young ruler. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. So what we do with our resources, as one preacher has said, is a window to our souls. It really says what is important to us. And the question is, what does God see when he looks in us? What does God see when he looks into you? And into your heart, your mind. Listen, he is an all-seeing eye, right? He sees all things. He knows all things. So may you and me, as I have there in your notes, may you and me be known for our generous giving. Giving to see what? The gospel go forth. Here is a work within the ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church as brothers and sisters are growing and being conformed into the image of Christ and that it would go out into the community and then it would go to the nations. That's what we're a part of, is seeing the gospel go forth so that God is glorified. Boys and girls, men and women are brought into a sacred relationship through Christ. And so we see Paul, as he declares this, that they were the only church, the only church. This, the language here, I'm going to spend a lot of time there, get back over here to Philippians. The language here is definitely that of one of uh, uh, of of money and commerce, but he is, you, you think of the culture here, it is also he's speaking of friendship, of partnership, of lasting partnership. When, he, when he's, he's talking about in giving and receiving, you see that phrase there. No one had come into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. These are, this is a, a, a way of, 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 uh, of, of sharing affection, 
for one another and their partnership. Remember, all that we own, listen, everything we have is the Lord's. Amen. Amen. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? The Bible tells me. He is, he's from everlasting to everlasting, and he, he spoke everything into being. It's not that he needs us by his nature, but he chooses to include us and to use us. That is such a privilege. That is such an honor. You see, you remember when Paul left Philippi, he traveled those 95 miles down the Ignatian Way to Thessalonica. And this Philippian church consistently sent people. They sent people out to or from the church to Thessalonica with gifts for what? To meet his needs, to help Paul. When he left Macedonia, they remained the only church to be there with him, to support him. This is the only ones that did that. Even when Paul went to Corinth, Corinth was a wealthy church. Yeah. You want to read it? We can relate. Man, that's a jacked up place there, man. Corinth was messed up, right? I can relate with them. Messed up in here. The Lord's changing that. He says there, Paul says to the, to the church of Corinth, and when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia, who are these brothers? Brothers in, uh, from, from Philippi. From the church at Philippi. They came from Macedonia and supplied my need. See, the, the, the generosity of the church at Philippi was praiseworthy. And Paul is praising them. He's praising the Lord for them. They gave from the heart. Listen, the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. Yeah. And Paul understood that they had this right. You have done good is what he is saying. You've done good. May that be said of us as we serve the Lord and as we serve one another and as we partner with missionaries who are taking the gospel to hard to reach places for they gave the Philippians listen 2 Corinthians 8, 3, 8 verses 3 and 5 for they gave according to their means as Paul says I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. If we're going to be generous people, if we're going to be giving people, we must first give ourselves to the Lord. Amen. Then and only then will we give ourselves to the body of Christ and to meet the needs of others that are less fortunate or who don't know the Lord, right? It's in that order. And it's, you know, I was thinking about illustration of this, like, how people give many times. Um, we, we, I think there's different ways to understand this, but you think about uh, NASCAR. There are people who give a large amount of money to, these, uh, to, the, to the owners for sponsorship. But what do they want in return? They want their name on the car, right? Wow, because they're trying to promote their business. They're trying to promote their brand. But that, that's different than us as we partner in gospel ministry as we give. Like we're not giving to the work of Christ here at, at Bethlehem to have our plaque on a, a pew, right? That's right. I, I grew up in a church that had that. If plaques there, I didn't know where to sit, right? And there, not that there's necessarily wrong with honoring those who have done things and set up funds for uh, scholarships and those things. I'm not saying that. But what's the motive, right? The motive is if I'm honored, praise the Lord. If I'm not, Praise the Lord. Like I'm giving to the Lord, right? It's not to be seen or to be known. And so true generosity 
from those who've been born again doesn't seek to have its own reputation strengthened. It's just that the Lord would be proclaimed, that people would know him and enjoy him above all else. As he tells the rich young ruler, Jesus tells the rich young ruler, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, what did he say? Follow me, follow me. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus, in fact, composes what you could say a proverb, a, a short pithy statement to help the disciples and those followers and us now remember this. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. This is, this is through giving generously, even when people don't know it. The truth is the only money we'll see again is that which we give away. It's that which we give away. And that what we give will come back in, with interest. Right? You realize you're going to be rewarded one day. You're going to be rewarded by the king himself. And you know what we end up doing is we take all those crowns that we're given and we then lay them at the feet of the one who was slain before the foundation of the world. For he alone is worthy of praise and honor. We just get to be the benefactors of that. Listen. The return of trusting Jesus and being generous in this life is out of this world. Amen. It is out of this world, man. Be a, be a giver. Be a giver. Paul has been well supplied by the Lord and through, Lord, through the Lord's people there, through this church. And this has been pleasing to the Lord, just like in the Old Testament, uh, in the burnt offerings and the aroma that would come up I love what Gordon Fee says. He says this right. Look, and this is coming. Look at the text here. He says, I'll slip down to verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering and sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Gordon Fee, Bible commentator, says this. The offering was consumed so that a sumptuous, roast-like aroma rose up to God as an acceptable and pleasing sacrifice. Of course, God doesn't really smell the aroma of a burnt offering, and he isn't impressed by people going through the motions of the sacrifice. What really pleases God is the generous spirit of his people. Amen. And that's it. That's it. Hearts that have been changed, that are thankful. You know what you do? You give. You give money. You give your time. You give your lives. You use the resources. Listen, God blessed Abraham with a whole lot so that he would be a blessing to others. And I'm seeing this played out in the life of the church. I've seen this in my ministry. God has blessed many of you in here. And we said a few weeks ago, all of us are stanking rich, right? We got shoes on our feet and socks on right now. Maybe some of our kids don't, but that's their choice. They probably took them off or they put them on, right? We are blessed, man. We got a roof over our head. We're going to eat a good meal after this. We got cars that we drive in that have heat. We woke up this morning. Our heat was out. It was 62.5 degrees on that little mama. Ellie FaceTimed Tori and said, Mama, I'm freezing up here. Got over there. Like, oh, the heat is out. Hey, praise the Lord for a fire. Praise the Lord for heat. Right? We have that. We're, we're, we're really wealthy people. But what is pleasing to the Lord is when we are generous to other people. And this picks up on Romans 12, 1 and 2, but we must move on. Secondly, giving to gospel ministry 
does not go unnoticed. And it doesn't go unnoticed by the one who really matters. And that is by the Lord. Look at 17 and 18. Not that I, I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. This is good. I have received full payment and more, and I'm well supplied. I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering and sacrifice, pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. Those who you bless are humbled. They are humbled, and they recognize that, the, that it is the Lord um, who is who is who has blessed them? This is what Paul is saying. Like he is he is blessed by them, but what he is seeing that is is God is at work in them. God is sanctifying them. He's growing them. He's maturing them so that they would be cheerful givers in the midst of of rough circumstances. The Lord is pleased with sacrificial giving above all else. Amen. He's pleased with that, given sacrificially. This is what they did. As I shared that passage there from, uh, from, from Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. They gave. They gave. Over and, and more than, than what they had. They sacrificed, right? We didn't realize the difference in that. You know, we, we tithe. But then you know, we've, I've seen that already. When we have a, an offering to, to raise money to purchase the land across the street. And the church came together. And you know, what a great offering. That's above and beyond what we are supposedly required to give, right? But it doesn't seem like a sacrifice. Have you ever given sacrificially to something financially? And then the return of that, the blessing that comes from that, it isn't always immediate, but maybe it's down the road. Sometimes it is. As you look back on that with a little bit of time, you go, yeah, it really wasn't, really wasn't that big a sacrifice. Praise the Lord for that. God, thank you for meeting all my needs. Giving to, to the Lord, to the ministry of the gospel, does not go unnoticed by the Lord. And this is, this is uh, important in life. It's clear. Lifts the, the fog yesterday uh, before the uh, hurricane um, December came in. I run to the car to grab something and I was coming back and I watched it come across the field there. And then I realized at that moment as I was running that I, I wasn't fast enough. My short legs vertically challenged it did not help me in this. So I came right up here to the, to the front steps and that was really not a lot of help either because it just blew through. It blew the little plant over here. It was kind of decorated up front here. It looked beautiful. It blew that over. And then it just like washed the front of the building with me included right there. It just comes. But what was so incredible, that's why I'm telling this story, is the rain was so heavy, it was like a fog moving in. You know, with the temperature change, especially in the fall, you get those foggy mornings, right? We'll get them here in the winter as well. But it was just white, like a whiteout coming through there. God's word clarifies the fog. It lifts us up above the fog, above the, 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 the whiteout of this world and the, the storm to be able to see properly, to see through and above the circumstances to help us have the right perspective on what we're going through. It was Robert Siegel that said this. He said, my barn burned down last night 
Here's perspective. But now I can see the moon. Many of us, me included, I'd be focusing on the barn burning down. But now the barn's moved and I can see the moon. Perspective helps us a lot. Understanding that the Lord sees your giving. He knows, right? The, the widow gave a little, right? The Lord knows all of that. Yes. It's not for the, the pastor to know or the church to know your giving and your generosity or to make that known. God knows. Yes. That is clarifying and assuring to us. And so the conclusion of being a generous person is the main point of this whole section. Right? Being generous is a, is a result of the gratitude that we have toward the Lord and what he has done for us. Verse 19, verse 19 is it. Generosity toward God will be rewarded by him. The conclusion of being generous, the result of that is God. The main point of this whole section is summed up here in verse 19. And look at the person, uh, uh, the, the personal tone of this. Verse 19, and who's God? Paul's God. Who's God's going to supply all your needs, your every need, all your needs, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Your God will. Amen. Who is your God? It's important to know who he is, right? <laughs> he is the one who is the great creator, the good creator, who flung the stars in orbit, who have a purpose for everything. I was encouraged a few weeks ago watching a video that Ray had shown us in the men's Bible study on Friday. I encourage you, men, if you're off and have time, starts at 9.30, goes to about 11.30, 12, somewhere in there. It's encouraging to know that God is in control of all things. God owns all. God is good in everything he is. Paul, very personally, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. God provides for you according to his riches and glory. That means he will meet all your needs out of the abundance of his nature, of who he is. Now, what this don't mean, I was sharing with a brother this week, our needs and our wants are different, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> Man, y'all probably hear me say this, some as your pastor, I got a really good warner. And that water needle gets the bumping, right, on certain things. Whether it's a gun, right? Uh, whether it's nice things. We all have our water, that, that wanting nature that we have. Because we're never satisfied, right? Where does that come from? It comes from a fallen nature. Thinking that things will satisfy us, but really the only thing that will satisfy you and me and every person ever born is the Lord Jesus himself. Amen. That's where satisfaction is found. All those other things are just blessings. God is good. But let me tell you what he will do. He may will not give you what you want all the time. And be thankful for that. Yeah. But he will give you what you need. Yes. Amen. The text, what Paul is writing here, he's talking about your spiritual needs, but also physically. He's going to meet your physical needs. His physical needs was met through his people, the Philippian church, to him. But he knew who the author was working in and through those people and sending Sacrificing and sending brothers to meet his needs. And it was the Lord. See, our generosity is governed. This is me. I don't know why I highlighted that at the end, but our generosity is fueled by the gospel. 
We're, we're joyfully driven to give when we consider how generous the good Lord has been to you and me, right? Think about what he's done. This is what makes us a gracious person is when we consider the Lord and who he is and what he has done. The provision is only, listen, he'll meet all your needs. This is for believers, not those who live for themselves, not to those who hoard things. And I'll say this. I put this in my notes so I wouldn't forget. It's a joy to be around selfless people, selfless believers. There's something about being around people who are giving that, you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to give more. Yes. It makes me, they don't want anybody to know. They just, just do something really nice for you or do something for someone else, right? And it makes you want, man, I want to, I want to be like that, right? I tell you who we don't want to be around is someone who's always me, 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 I, I, I. That's, that's no good, right? That's no good. Can we be people who are selfless? That, that's the heart of Jesus, right? Who though being, think about what we've read in Philippians, who though being in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. Oh, that I would have that attitude, that you would have that attitude, that the church would have that attitude as we serve the community through this Christmas shop. Boy, there's challenging things that come with that as well, right? Listen, because you're in Christ, all things come to you in and through Jesus. Look at the verse of the end of verse 19. This is important. And my God will supply everything you need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Fee is helpful here. The Philippians generosity toward Paul expressed lavishly at the beginning of verse 18 is, is, is exceeded beyond all imagination by the lavish wealth of the eternal God who dwells in glory, full of riches made available in Christ Jesus. God's riches are inherent to his being as the creator and the God of universe. So his riches include and infinitely exceed the aggregate wealth of the universe. Listen to this. God's incalculable wealth together with the ineffable splendor of his glory form the treasury and the dazzling context from which he lavishes his children according to his riches. And then he gives this illustration, and this is good. If I had a million dollars and gave you a hundred dollars, I would be giving out of my riches. However, if I gave you a blank check, that's better. Blank check, hundred dollars, I'm going with the blank check. Because I can write what I want out of that, right? Yes. If I gave you a blank check, I would be giving according to my riches. But God does far more because his riches are infinite and cannot be diminished by the endless zeros of the celestial blank check. The fact that his riches are in glory sets up the ultimate locus in Christ Jesus. This describes for us, he says, in whom and how the riches that come from God's glory are given then to his people. And think about what he has done. Isn't that good? Amen. Paul began the letter by doing what? Addressing the saints to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 1. And he concludes this letter in Christ Jesus. For us as believers, every need we have is met in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Everything you have is met in him. 
All of it. He is our beginning. He is our end. All things come to, through, to us in Christ and through Christ. Man, what does this bring to us? What does this bring to these believers then? Assurance. Assurance. God's word brings assurance. Yes. This giving who we are in Christ, his riches, his abundance brings assurance to us that we who share in the fellowship of the gospel through our care and our generosity, as he says, and may my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That brings assurance. He's going to provide for you and me. He always has been the great provider, right? He has been called that the Lord who provides in the Old Testament. We'll see that in the new year as we begin a study through the book of Genesis. Remember this as we come to a close that God is always on time to provide for you, brother and sister. He is never late. He feels late sometimes to us. He's all, but you, if you go look back on experiences, man, he's always on time. In our timetable, though, it feels like he's never early. <laughs> right? He could always be a little bit quicker. But it's according to his plan and his way. He will provide for you physically. He has provided for us spiritually. And he will continue to provide all that you need in Christ, spiritually and physically, until he calls you home. That's good news. That means you're never alone and you're never going to go without. He's going to provide for you. That's good to me. It might not be to you, but it's good to me. Yes, yes. And lastly, this. Paul shares all this and he bursts into a, a praise, a doxology. So many of the letters finish with a doxology. And I was tempted. I deleted them out of my notes. I don't want to go back through and read them all. Boy, there's some good ones. Romans, Hebrews. As, uh, as Paul finishes the letter to Romans and he finishes there in Hebrews, he bursts and prayed. Look at what he says. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Together may we praise the Lord for who he is and what he has done. May we praise the Father for his great plan. The Lord is faithful and he's worthy of our praise, church. Amen. Every one of you, every person on the planet, God is worthy of their praise. Yeah, the question is, will we submit and give it to him now? Yeah. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord yeah. to the glory of God the Father in the end. Listen, that's everybody. Those who fear him and those who don't will bow the knee. We have had our eyes open to see the Lord of glory has come in the person of Christ. And he has accomplished it all for the glory of the Father and for the good of you and me. We should praise him. We should praise him. Why? Because he meets our physical needs. He's met our greatest need in reconciling us to the Lord. But he has done what we couldn't do in and of ourselves. Amen. And what we think we can do by even meeting our own physical needs. God has blessed you with a job. He's blessed you with finances. He's blessed you with everything you have. Acknowledge him for it. May we corporately acknowledge him for it. And I can say with confidence based on God's word, we will do that and we will do it forever. <laughs> we will do it forever and ever. And Paul says, amen. So I say again, our generosity is fueled by the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself this day. Share, remind your thinking, remind your mind who you are, who God is. Who you are as a man, as a woman, who Christ is and what he has done 
as our sister Wilma shared in that song. Amen. He's brought you to repentance and faith, and he's done it gently, right? Some of you hasn't done it gently, or it seems like he hasn't been gentle, but he's allowed you to hit your faith with a lot of really bad decisions. And you fail, and you fail, and you fail, and you've got in trouble, you've been in jail, you've done this, or you've done that. And you know what? God is sitting here. Come on. Amen. Come on. I'll give you grace. I'll give you forgiveness. It's all yours. And my son, if you want to believe and repent of your sins, now follow me. Follow me. You know what that leads to? It leads us to be joyful and to give when we consider how generous and how giving God has been to us. He has not withheld anything. All the riches of heaven, brother and sister in Christ, are yours because your life is hidden in him. That doesn't mean this ain't prosperity gospel. Yet it is prosperity gospel. We are prosperous in Christ. But that don't always translate down here in dollar bills and planes and health. No, it's through those trials. It's through circumstances. It's through hardship that God perfects us and purifies us and shows us our dependencies upon him and that we can outgive him. And he's going to meet all our needs in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. May you, Lord, receive honor and glory as you work in the hearts of your people this morning. As you already have, as you are doing, and as you're going to do, Lord. Make us, by your grace, a generous people for your glory. And we'll be quick to give you thanks and praise. For you have been so generous to us. And we pray this in 